Hi everybody, my name is DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. Welcome to our ongoing Lenten midweek teaching series where we've been talking about a different spiritual discipline each Wednesday. It's great to have you with us, whether you're a member at Parker Ford or joining us uh, simply online and have come across us, we're glad to have you as we continue this journey through some of the really key uh, spiritual disciplines that Christians have practiced over the centuries. Today we're going to be talking about solitude. Last week I kind of admitted when we were talking about the spiritual discipline of fasting that both fasting and uh, the spiritual discipline of solitude are two of the more difficult ones for me to practice um, because with fasting I like eating and with solitude I like being around people and I live in a big family. I have four children so there's six of us in a, in a rancher and I'm always around people and I like that and so it can be difficult for me to practice silence and solitude and yet uh, both of these uh, disciplines, along with all of the others, are absolutely vital as we continue um, our, our way of following after Jesus and seeking to grow into his image. Before we talk about the content um, from today's teaching, would you join me in a word of prayer and let's invite the Holy Spirit to be the one who guides us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that Christians throughout all of church history have practiced these spiritual disciplines. And so, you know, in the Catholic Church, in the Reformed Church, in the Orthodox Church, um, in the Eastern portions of the Church, in the Western portions of the Church, in Protestant churches, and Anabaptist churches, Christians over the last 2,000 years, uh, in almost every community have practiced uh, the various spiritual disciplines, including this one that we're talking about today, getting alone with you, so that my, we might truly center ourselves on your presence. So as, as we engage this content, this teaching today, continue to form us into your image. We invite you to do this work through your spirit in our lives, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a part of our ongoing series. We've been using the imagery of a house, and so there's the foundation of a house, which only the people who live there really think about or see. Um, certainly the builder knows about it, and in our case, in our lives, God is the builder, and we're just participating in it as we walk with him, and so there's foundational disciplines, and we looked at some of those. The three that we looked at were prayer, uh, the Word of God, and uh, fasting as foundational ones that are meant to be sort of secretive, us and God alone. There's, there's certainly a corporate component to it, but at their heart, there are these foundational inward disciplines. And then there's the visible house, the house that everybody sees and, and goes by. And counterintuitively, uh, silence and solitude is actually part of the visible, and, and we'll get to why that is. And next week, we're going to be looking at service, which is also part of the visible house. And then in our final two weeks of this series, we'll, we'll look at the dinner table or the corporate disciplines where we invite people in or they invite us into their lives and we share. And we're going to be looking at confession and worship as two corporate uh, disciplines or dinner table disciplines. And so Richard Foster, who we've been tracking with uh, his book, Celebration of Discipline, throughout this series, he writes, Our fear of being alone drives us to noise and crowds. Oh my goodness, that's so true. He wrote this over 20 years ago, and that is so much more true today, even than when he wrote it, because we have continued to only be more and more of a noisy and dependent on constant stimulus culture and people. He wrote, our fear of being alone drives us to noise and crowds. 
you've probably heard me say this before if you've been a part of Parker Ford Church community, but you know when you go to the grocery store and there's any amount of people in line in front of you, what's the number one thing that people do? Out comes the smartphone to check the social media feed or text messages or emails as if, you know, in the five minutes since you last checked it or two minutes since you last checked it when you were waiting for someone to move out of the way so you could grab a carton of milk, you know, as if anything exciting has happened in your life. <laughs> and yet we are so afraid of being alone. We are so afraid of silence. We're so, defra- uh, so afraid of boredom. Um, we need that constant stimulus that out it comes. Foster goes on to write, we keep up a constant stream of words even if they are inane or pointless. He says we buy radios that strap to our wrists or fit on our ears so that if no one else is around, at least we are not condemned to silence. T.S. Eliot analyzes our culture well when he writes, where shall the world be found? Where will the word resound? Not here, there is not enough silence. In other words, we can't actually find the world that God has created with all the noise. We can't hear his word with all the movement and chaos and noise. There's not enough silence, which is where the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude becomes absolutely vital. Now listen to this. Richard Foster goes on to say, we must seek out the recreating stillness of solitude if we want to be with others meaningfully. This is why Um, As a paradox, silence and solitude is actually one of the disciplines that Foster describes as an outward discipline, or that, in my analogy of the house, it's, it's the house that you can see, the visible house. Why? Because the way that we get alone with God actually opens for us a world of opportunities in the way that we relate to one another. Foster says we must seek out the recreating stillness of solitude if we want to be with others meaningfully. In other words, we can't be with people meaningfully until we learn to be alone with ourselves and with God. Otherwise, it's all just a bunch of fluff. It's all just a bunch of noise. He says we must seek the fellowship and accountability of others if we want to be alone safely. So it works the other way too. I can't actually be safe with myself. I can't be alone with myself and learn to love myself as God would desire me to. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself. I can't be content and okay with who God has created me to be until I've received that from him and from others. And so it's this paradox that's always meant to be flowing. As we get alone with God, we can actually see other people better. And as other people see us better, we learn to be alone with God with greater depth and clarity. He says we must cultivate both if we are to live in obedience. You know, this is a spiritual discipline that Jesus himself practiced. In Luke chapter 5, this is really at the pinnacle of Jesus's popularity. It says in verse 15, Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You know, if Jesus were planting a church in 2021 or starting a business in 2021, this would go against all of the advice of, you know, entrepreneurial expertise or church growth expertise. You know, when when you're getting popular, that's when you need to push your message. That's when you need to write a book. That's when you need to be more and more visible and be louder and louder and get people to share and like and spread. But Jesus does the exact opposite. Right when he's on the pinnacle of really starting, you know, a huge massive movement with all kinds of people following him, this is when He withdraws to a lonely place and he prays. (laughs) And this is our Savior. This is the way that we follow. 
This is the person of Christ. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. This is who we are modeling our life after. But Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. If this is what Jesus, the Son of God, did, how much more so is it important for you and I, broken and fallen, destructive and deceived as we are, to practice withdrawing from the noise and chaos of our lives, from the people around us, into a place of solitude that we might be alone in silence and prayer with God. Here's my weekly challenge for us. I want you to set aside time in your crazy, busy, noisy schedule. I know your schedule is every bit as busy as mine, and 24 hours, you could fill it up seven days a week, no problem. Set aside some time this week and withdraw to a lonely place. If that means you're alone in your bedroom, so be it. If that means you go on a long walk in the woods, if the weather's good enough for it, then do it. Get alone with God and do it intentionally. And spend that time alone in silence and prayer. Don't put on a podcast. I would even recommend not reading a book. (laughs) Don't listen to music. Just be quiet with the Lord. And then journal about that experience. You could take your journal with you. It can be part of your prayer, part of your conversation with God, but journal about the process and the experience as you're alone. What are you learning about God as you sit in silence? And what are you learning about yourself? Is silence something that is difficult for you like it is for me? Or is it something that feeds your soul just easily? Is it easy money for you? Either way, it's going to be a valuable experience as you withdraw to be alone um, with God to pray. I also want to invite you to chew on the following questions and meditate on them. Do you have a hard time tolerating being alone? We've been touching around this for a little bit uh, in today's teaching. Or being in complete silence, is that difficult for you and why? Secondly, how might practicing silence and solitude with God actually help you be more present with others? Jesus understood that if he was going to be who God had called him to be towards his brothers and sisters, then he actually counterintuitively had to withdraw to be alone with God. We can't see other people clearly until we've been seen by God, clearly until we've been alone with him. And finally, why do you think Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray? Why did Jesus make that a regular practice? in his life. I hope that this has been challenging and an encouragement to you today, and I really hope that you put this uh, discipline, this challenge into practice in your own life, and that uh, it causes you to flourish and grow with God in a really intimate and special way in his presence this week. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you have a great day. Go with God. Be blessed.